0: Well, hello there and welcome to the Dolby Anglican podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. This week's podcast focuses on 1 Samuel 17. It's part of our preaching series on the life of King David called A Matter of the Heart. And today we'll look at David plus
1: Goliath. Enjoy the sermon. The first reading is from Samuel chapter 17 verses 1 to 7 and 35 to 50 Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socar in Judah They pitched camp at Ephes Dammon between Socar and Azakhan Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines The Philistines are pop- occupied one hill and the Israelites Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Garth, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He wore a bronze helmet on his head and a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his feet he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. It was, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When, I turned, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant was killed, both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine was like one of them because he had defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armour on him a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He said, And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David rang quickly towards the battle lines to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the philistine and killed him. Hear the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you be to God.
1: Well, friends, as we unpack this story of David and Goliath, uh,
0: please pray for me as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, we thank and praise you for the account of David and Goliath. And Lord, as we think about what it means for our lives and facing our giants, we pray that you would help us to gain your insight, to see the world the way you see it, and know that the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Giants, we all face them when the doctor calls after a scan with bad news, when your boss asks you into his office and you leave without a job, when debts rack up, when locally acquired cases spike, or when that person who just won't stop hassling you. Giants. Giants. Giants steal our joy and fill us with fear. They cloud our vision and cast their shadows over us. Today we're going to look at someone who took on a giant and won. David and Goliath is one of the most famous children's stories in the whole Bible. My boys have about six children's Bibles and each of them tell the story of a little shepherd boy who took on a great giant. Unfortunately, the moral of countless books, kids' talks, and sermons is this. Back yourself, and you will conquer your giants. This understanding sadly misses the point of the whole story. Often when we just dare to be a David and back ourselves, we fall short. So what is the point Right in the middle of the passage, David gets to the heart of the matter. He says this, It is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Or in some translations, the battle belongs to the Lord. So today we'll see how David came to the battle, how he saw the world differently to those around him. And we'll see that it's the Lord who conquers, and rescues us from the giants we face. It's a long reading, um, and Meg did a really great job with all the details, but the overarching point of today is that David's story shouldn't point us to the saving power of King David. Instead, it should point us to the true David, our Saviour and King, Jesus So David came. Last week we saw how David became the anointed Messiah king. God had rejected King Saul because Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. Saul had rejected the Lord's rule and reign over his life, and God's spirit had left him. The heart in Hebrew thinking uh, was not the centre of emotions uh, like it is for us today. But it was the centre of the mind, the body, and the spirit. God's chosen king was a man after his own heart. This king, unlike Saul, is a king who loves, obeys, and serves the Lord with every fibre of his being. So Samuel does a stealth trip to find this new king, and David is chosen by Samuel. But as we pointed out last week and in the kids' talk, Samuel leaves without giving David instructions about what it means to be king. So David goes back to his sheep. David won't enthrone himself. Instead, he puts God on the throne of his heart and waits on God. In chapter 17, we see that Israel Comes across a big problem. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokol in Judah. The Philistines, or the Phoenicians, were Israel's mortal enemies. They lived on the coastal plains and had more food and better technology than the Israelites. This is the dawn of the Bronze Age. And while the Israelites didn't have blacksmiths and smelters to get bronze the philistines did and they were slowly gobbling up the land that god had promised to israel and that israel had occupied soccer is deep in israelite territory in the land given to the tribe of judah that's david's tribe and it's here that the philistines and israel battle lines meet They're perched up on two hilltops with a valley separating them in between. It's a stalemate as the army that goes down into the valley first will have to fight uphill. The Philistines make the first move. In verse 4, a champion named Goliath came out of the Philistine camp. Now, the Bible doesn't usually go into great detail about um, statistics around battles, but with Goliath, it does, and this is because all these details are deeply significant. Goliath is about three meters tall, Um, that's six cubits in a span, and he is chunky, he's big, he's not just tall and skinny like a basketball player, instead he's big as a rugby prop, and tall as a second rower. His armor is made of bronze. He's got a bronze helmet protecting his head. He's got scale armor, a new technological development. It's like Kevlar, and that weighs 58 kilos, two-thirds of my weight. He's got bronze leg armor. He's got a shield, shield so big that they need a second guy to carry the shield. He's got a bronze javelin, which is thick as a baseball bat, with a seven kilogram tip. And he's also got a curved sword, if that wasn't enough. But surprisingly, Goliath doesn't want to go into battle. Instead, he proposes a deal that was common at the time. It was called single combat. Goliath says, and he cries out to the Philistines and to the armies of Israel, Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. This was a way to limit bloodshed, but it's not a good deal for Israel. King Saul we're told, was a head taller than his countrymen. He had bronze armor, and he is the obvious champion for Israel. So let's look at Saul's stats. Saul is a head taller than any other man. He's, he's fully grown, and he's been fighting some good battles so far in the book of 1 Samuel. He's had some victories. He has a tunic. He has a coat of armor like Goliath. He has a bronze helmet like Goliath. He has a sword. And the armies of Israel are backing him. But his heart is not in the right place. Saul doesn't have a heart for the battle. He'd been a mighty warrior, but the spirit of God had left him. And so for 40 days, Goliath issues his challenge. And Saul offers his daughter and tax breaks to anyone who will come And be the champion of Israel. The name Goliath is rarely used in the text that we just read. Instead, he's called the Philistine or the Philistine champion. He is a representative of Philistine manhood, of all the power and might of that empire. The word translated champion literally means the man in the middle. Goliath wins, all the Philistines win. Saul wins, all the Israelites win. Saul was chosen because of his looks, because of his height, and because of his giftings to be that champion. But he's lost heart. And Israel's champion will come from a most unlikely place. David, we're told in verses 17 to 21, comes across from Bethlehem with supplies for for his older brothers. He leaves his flock and heads over with food for the battle. On arrival, he sees the soldiers running away and hears Goliath running his mouth. David comes from nowhere. He's Israel's anointed king, but no one really knows it yet. It's here we notice an important detail. So far, in the whole Bible, David hasn't spoken any words. David is silent throughout this whole story because of the way that it's been told. We just observe David from the outside. This is because we are not meant to identify with David. You are not David in the story. I am not David. Which is a strange thing to say considering my name is David. (laughs) We are not David. David runs to the battle lines while everyone else is running away. We've heard the stats, we've seen Israel's situation, and we are not David. We are Saul. We are David's brothers. We are Israel. David is God's Messiah. Messiah means anointed king, as we heard last week. And in order to understand this story, we must realize that King David is a prototype of the king to come, King Jesus. Everything in this story so far sets us up to identify as observers and David as the savior. And there are so many parallels between David and Jesus. David comes from Bethlehem. Jesus came from Bethlehem. David is anointed king. Jesus is affirmed at his baptism and anointed before his death. And above his cross there was a sign which read, King of of the Jews. David is a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, as we heard in our gospel reading. Goliath is the Philistine champion. He's the Philistine of Philistines. But David is being set up as Israel's champion. Jesus is our champion, our man in the middle, our king. David comes to the battle as an unlikely champion, but a champion all the same. And as David comes to the battle... Walking past frightened frightened soldiers, we realize that he sees the world differently. And finally, in this story, David utters some words. He speaks. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath is out to intimidate. But here we get a feel for David's heart. The Philistines are blaspheming God a crime punishable by stoning. David's older brother, Eliab, hears and scolds him. He says, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? David responds like the teenager he he is. He says, can't I even speak? It's something a, a teenager would always say. His brother won't hear him, but Saul's men do. And so they bring him to Saul. What David says to King Saul gives us another peek into his heart. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David sees something about this matchup that the reader And those gathered do not. This isn't David versus Goliath. This is David versus God. Saul doesn't think David stands a chance. He's too young and Goliath is a seasoned warrior. But David points Saul back to the times when God has been faithful to him. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. The rest is history. Saul says, the Lord be with you. And he tries to put David in his armor, but David won't go out like the kings of the nations. He is God's king. While giants rely on might and look to technology and weaponry, David sees that Goliath is no match for the God of God. Of Israel. These are David's stats. He's a young man. He's, he's teenager height. He's, the regular height of an Israelite at the time was probably around five foot, um, a foot shorter than me. And, and David is a teenager, so he's shorter than that. He doesn't fit into Saul's armor. He's a skinny shepherd. He has no armor. All he has is a sling, five smooth stones. And a shepherd's staff. And so, as David approaches Goliath, the giant sees him for the first time. And he says, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath then curses David's God by his God, Dagon. David's final words to Goliath are as powerful as they are revealing about the way he sees the world. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's worth looking into. It's profound, in fact. He says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals." and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. While we often look at our giants through the lens of human power and might, David recognizes that these things are no match for the God of the universe. Here again, we see that David is just foreshadowing Jesus, the true David. Jesus saw the world through God's eyes. When Satan tempted Jesus to give up, Jesus fixed his heart on God. When a storm came up, Jesus trusted his father and calmed the storm. When Jesus faced his own death in the Garden of Gethsemane, he put his trust trust in the Lord and said, Thy will be done. Friends, whose side do we want to be on? So often we want to be powerful, clever, and respected. But when we realize that God is in control and God will reign victorious, we recognize that all God asks is that we trust Him. After 48 verses of build up, the battle is over before it begins, it's over in a flash. Reaching into his bag. Woo! Gee. There we go. (laughs) That fast forwarded like crazy. (laughs) Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, David slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. A rock the size of a tennis ball. I I got one of the rocks that. King David and our kids' talk gathered. Um, a rock the size of a tennis ball flies at David's forehead, at Goliath's forehead, at 160 kilometers an hour and sinks into his forehead. And Goliath is gone. David's prophecy is fulfilled, and all those gathered now see that might doesn't save, javelin doesn't save. Instead, the battle belongs to the Lord. Goliath's army lose heart and they run and the Israelites surge forward and the battle belongs to the Lord. While Hollywood fight scenes take up half the movie sometimes, this fight only takes a few words to describe. And this is how it always works with God. It took one night for God to rescue his people out of Egypt. It took a single shout for the walls of Jericho to fall. But the pinnacle of God's saving work comes not in our Old Testament, but in the New. All it took for sin and death to be dealt a death blow were three words. It is finished. David overcomes Goliath in a moment by the power of the Lord. But in three days, Jesus Christ, the true David, conquered sin and death. The book of Hebrews lists David as a hero of faith. He's not just a a wonderful character. He is the prototype for the archetype that is Jesus. Jesus. He is the only king who can truly save us from judgment and from the penalty that our sins deserve. Jesus is the only king who can deliver us from the separation from God that our pride and selfishness create. David comes to the battle. He sees what is really going on. And if he were here today, he would tell us the battle belongs to the Lord. Friend, you don't need David's courage. You don't need David's skill with a stone. You don't even need his great belief. You need David's God. You need to know Jesus. That's what this story is ultimately about. When we assume the role of David without knowing his God, we will either be crushed when we fail or we'll become proud and put ourselves above God. When we trust in the sufficiency of Christ, the true David, our fears will fall in line and we will be able to serve the living God. We don't have Philistines to fight, but in, Eph- in Ephesians 6.12, we're reminded That our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus is our man in the middle. He is our champion. He is our David. We are like the armies of Israel, knowing Christ has already conquered our greatest giants, sin and death. Knowing anything we face in life is not worth our ultimate attention and worship because nothing is greater or more powerful than the living God. Friends, imagine we went into the week ahead like the armies of Israel, knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's our joy to share the glorious news that Christ has won. Sin and death are defeated. So let's set our hearts on Jesus, the author and pioneer of our faith, our saviour and our champion. Let's commit to knowing him and making him known. David came, David saw, but the Lord conquers. Let's follow King Jesus and always remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.